Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. He caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. That was a good start. That was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And a very good Tuesday to you, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, and the Nunchuck returns today. Nunchuck, welcome back, my friend. You know, we've had some relief pitchers. We've had some backup quarterbacks while Nunchuck's been away for the past couple weeks. We've had some Heineke's, some Hills, some Mullins, some Bethards, and there's probably a couple others out there, but uh, they've they've sufficed very nicely, so shout-outs to, to everybody, but... Uh, Nunchuck, we're we're glad you're back, man. Who was the Kurt Warner? Well, that's some old school right there. I don't think we have any in, any all pros, all stars, any Super Bowl champions. Nobody going to the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you might want to say they all were, just in case we run into this situation again. I see where you're going. So you're trying <laughs> to say those crumb bum backups that, that I named for our crumb bum backups yeah, yeah, that yeah, helped yeah. us on the show. I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that you're thanking them, but I'm not sure that it's a complimentary <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. Steve Young, we want to thank you very much. <laughs> Kurt Warner, we love you. <laughs> Tom Brady coming in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids, kids got a shot to have a decent career. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, where have you been? We still haven't found Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Jeez. No, but Nunchuck's been gone for the past couple of weeks. Uh, he's, he's, he's been been gone, out and about. So glad to have you back, man. You know, just keep your distance. <laughs> there you go. Or as I say in Australia, oot in a boot. Is that what they say? That's what I've heard. Oh, okay. <laughs> See, you and you and the Australian Open again. I'm sure that's a term they use in the Australian Open quite a bit, right? Yeah, Australian Open. Normally in January, push back to February this year. This is true. All right, so today, uh, great show on tap here today. We've got some great guests. Charles Mann is going to join us, the three-time Super Bowl champion, the four-time Pro Bowler with the Washington Redskins back in the day, also with the San Francisco 49ers, has those three su- Super Bowl rings. And uh, Charles... Uh, was one time named the Washingtonian of the Year uh, because he's so civic-minded, community-minded guy, still resides back in the D.C. area. And Charles does a lot of broadcasting with the Washington football team. Always love having Charles on, uh, especially when we start talking about what's happening with that franchise. And, of course, they're going to have the Sunday night football game and at, what, 6-9 and (laughs) if they win. They're in the playoffs, and they're facing the, uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles on Sunday night. So we'll talk to Charles not only about this Redskin team, but the quarterback situation, Daniel Snyder, Ron Rivera, and everything that's been going on there. So looking forward to talking to Charles Mann today. Yeah, and maybe find out, get his thoughts about, um, you know, do they just stay the Washington football team? Do they go with club? Do they do something else? I mean, it's, you know, there's uh, nobody seems to know what's going on there. I think Snyder has an idea what he wants to happen. But I don't know if he knows exactly what he's going to do for sure. Yeah, yet. we'll find out. We'll dive into that. Steve Berline will join us as well, too, the former quarterback. 
And uh, the pride of Notre Dame, I know he's rooting for the Irish this weekend against uh, Alabama in the college football playoff, but as he said last week, he doesn't think they have much of a shot. So uh, Steve does a great job, of course, with CBS Sports and the NFL and the college football coverage as well, too. So, so he'll join us today. So a lot of football on tap on the show today. That'd probably be a nice money line bet if it came through. <laughs> we, we saw some dogs come up and, uh, you know, bark last week. There, there's we been do. a few this season in that. Yeah, we have. I'm and, not saying this is going to be one of them that it happens, but right, right. But what, it, it's up to like 20, 20 and a half now. Even 20, I mean, it keeps it, on going up. This thing could could climb to twenty one, maybe even over that. I don't know. It's it's crazy. You think there'd be some buyback because when you look at this Notre Dame team, we'll talk to Steve about this. There are parts of this Notre Dame team I really like. I think a lot of people like, and but I just don't think they match up well against Alabama. But I think a lot of history is playing into this. Uh, 20 point line is past history and people are remembering again what they saw from Notre Dame against Clemson a couple weeks ago as well too where they got drilled well like you said too I mean there might be parts of the team that you like but there's a lot of parts of Alabama's team that you love exactly yeah including (laughs) you know basically three nominees or they should have three nominees for the Heisman Trophy winner and uh, Najee Harris I don't didn't get nominated which is beyond me and you can make the argument he's the best college football player on the planet this year uh, greatest, the best running back, but again, you know Devonte Smith, their wide receiver, and Mac Jones, a quarterback. They they get invited to New York. Well, if they do get invited to New York to the for the Heisman Trophy, probably in a Zoom down, call. Yeah, the Zoom call, <laughs> the Downtown Athletic Club. Who knows? So anyway, we'll do that. All right. So terrible Tuesday. So we thought we would take a little bit different approach with terrible Tuesday. And this uh, uh, Frank had the great idea last week, saying, "Hey, let's talk about some of the best slash worst. Really, the worst." Uh, stories of 2020 because you know we've had a lot of fun with terrible Tuesdays over the years and you know usually we're we're taking pot shots at, at a lot of these athletes or situations and, and and it's a lot of fun that we have and we'll do that again you know today so we're going to kind of look back at at some of the uh, the worst stars so to speak of 2020 on terrible Tuesday so we'll dive into that but obviously the big story about terrible Tuesday and we're looking back at 2020 is obviously COVID. And the cancellation of the NCAA basketball tournament, the interruption of the NBA and the NHL seasons, Major League Baseball season was delayed. We've had the uh, shutdown of dozens of college programs. A lot of the, you know, I don't want to say the lesser programs, but just shut down altogether. Funding gone, everything. Uh, Basically, COVID made us watch games in empty stadiums and arenas. Uh, We missed games altogether uh, with the cancellations. Didn't matter what sport. But for the first time in, in most of our lifetimes, we actually had to deal with this. And I don't know about you, Frank, but n- there's nothing I can even think of in our lifetime that came close to this. Sure, we've had some catastrophes, 9-11 comes to mind, other things like that. But something that has lasted this long, which I don't think anyone was hoping or thinking it was going to last this long. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. What is the worst part about COVID-19 from a sports perspective. And I, I want to keep it in sports today. I don't want to you know, turn into all this other stuff because you know, we talk about that as well too. But from a sports perspective, what's the worst part about this? Well, to me, it's just, I mean, it's, um, first off, again, it's a worldwide pandemic. You know, you mentioned all the things that it affected here in the United States with, with the baseball, with the basketball tournaments, this, that, and the other. You know, the Olympics. I mean, you said like you didn't know what to compare it to. On a super smaller scale, we've seen Olympics boycotted before, 
because of presidential or politics or stuff like that. And that's a lot of sports and a lot of athletes that had their lives changed around and couldn't do something. But this Olympics was canceled for everybody. It wasn't like just one country boycotting or something. So to me, just the athletes that did everything, for all the high school kids out there, especially seniors that are trying to get scholarships or something, they didn't have, you know, they'd have to send in film and that kind of stuff. The inconsistency, nothing being unified about the whole thing. And it's still not. So there's so many different layers and so many different aspects of it. And the bottom line is, I was looking today, you know, 336 thousand people in this country alone dead yes you know so yeah. i mean I, obviously the deaths and the hospitalizations and all that are the worst but just from a sports perspective all the cancellations and the still you know every week like i know for i'm a big ufc fan and a big mma fan in general i always used to get excited for cards i haven't in a while now because i always want to see with injuries and that well who's actually going to be fighting well now in every sport out there we just had another bowl game canceled. There was one canceled mm-hmm. yesterday. So, so many things get canceled and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't get excited for anything down the road anymore because I don't know for sure it's going to yeah, happen. We don't know. <laughs> just looking at games, picks, we, we have no idea. And then that's, I think that's for me too, that's been the worst part is just the, the, the constant change and not knowing and getting excited for a particular game or an event and have it been t- you know, taken away. Uh, the Rose Bowl. We're not going to see the Rose Parade. We're not going to see the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. We're going to see it. Disguises the Cotton Bowl. I mean, just there, there's so many things. But yeah, so terrible Tuesday. I don't know what was the best, worst of 2020. It's terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. All right, with all this pretty much COVID-related, I want to pose the question, who do you think was the worst sports role model of the year? There's quite a few nominees, so I'll, I'll throw a couple out there and give me some feedback here. Let's first start with a guy that uh, really came to light uh, at the beginning of this COVID situation, Utah Jazz guard Rudy Gobert. Remember, he made a mockery of touching all the microphones and potentially infecting anyone who was in the room, in the media, in the press room, and that sort of thing. Well, later on, we find out that he was positive. And then all of a sudden, everything hit the fan, so to speak. He infected his teammate, Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, for me, I believe that's what was the the telling tale for the NBA because the NBA was the first organization basically to shut things down. And it was because of Rudy Gobert and his carelessness. And he was the first of many that got very, very stupid very, very early. Yeah, he definitely did. And the funny thing is I was watching some of the videos of him again last night about when that happened. And I will say the overreaction of it, COVID was going to hit at some point. But he said that he became known as NBA Patient Zero. That people literally said that he shut down the NBA himself. There were people calling for him to go to prison for touching the, the, the equipment of the media and stuff like that. Saying he was trying to kill people. He was trying to tell a joke. It completely backfired because he didn't know he had COVID at the time. But the reaction of people wanting to literally have him arrested, put in jail, to kicked out of the NBA, this, that, and the other. Yeah, he's definitely a knucklehead and something very, very stupid that he did. But it's like, it, it, it's not like it wouldn't have happened if Rudy Gobert wasn't there. Right. All right. <laughs> Nominee number two. How about Justin Turner? 
playing in game six of the World Series. It's the seventh inning, and we don't notice it as fans. The announcers didn't notice it. They go, oh, Justin Turner is coming out of the game. He's not playing third base anymore. What, what happened? Well, if you remember, Justin Turner got a got the call or got the note that, hey, you just tested positive in the middle of the game. They pulled him out. The Dodgers go on to win game six of the World Series. They're celebrating. No Justin Turner. He's upset. And what happens? He says, doctors say, I got to stay in this room, quarantine. No, no. We won a World Series. Wrap that up. Forget about it. Heads out to the field. Wants to celebrate with his teammates. Wants to take a team picture. Oh, by the way, without a mask. Yes, so Justin Turner... Uh, potentially infecting people, came back on the field, like we said, took the team picture, and then wants to party with his teammates after the game, back in the locker room, Justin Turner. Well, Justin Turner not only partying with his teammates, hugging people, uh, kissing a couple different women because, you know, the, the wives of other players and that, giving him the hugs. Like you said, who was that unmasked man? It was Justin Turner out there. I will say it's kind of crazy because he was in the dugout the entire game right up until that point, so he was already around his teammates and that. But once you get the word, why would you do that? I guess you can use the argument, well, you don't know that you're ever going to win a World Series again. He wanted to be out celebrating. I get that. Would it have been impossible for him to put the mask on and at least do it right to not get all this backlash? And the one thing that he escaped in all this, if there would have been a Game 7, what would have happened? Yes. Because he just tested. Would they have played it the next day? Would he have been ineligible? Would they have waited a few days? As crazy as it was and all the backlash he got, it could have been even a lot worse for Justin Turner. And how many of his teammates... Would have, you know, had to be tested again. They were tasted, testing basically every day back then. But, yeah, it could not just Dustin, uh, Justin Turner, but his teammates. And like you said, who knows? I mean, well, maybe the Dodgers by, would be, you know, minus four or five or six players. You don't know. If you go by contact tracing, it's everybody on the bench. There you go. Exactly. So, exactly. so you have relief pitchers and him that can yeah. play and, back, and, and bullpen catchers. So what was worse there, okay? Justin Turner, or to put it really on the field here, what – Tampa Bay Rays manager Kevin Cash did when he pulled out Blake Snell out of that game. If you remember game six, that was the story. And then after the Dodgers won, or actually tail at the tail end of that game, when we found out why Turner wasn't on the field, that became the story. But let's go back to the big story of that game prior to Justin Turner being pulled out was Blake Snell had a no hitter going. He basically gave up one uh, bleeder and then Kevin Cash comes rolling out of the dugout and hooks him. The Rays have a one nothing lead. This guy's got a one-hit shutout going. He's rolling. He doesn't want to come out. Doesn't really want to make a scene, but you can see the look on his face. No. You have your best pitcher, your former Cy Young Award winner, and you're pulling him out. And you know how I feel about Kevin Cash with all the goofy stuff that he does. You know, have the reliever start. You know, again, all this other nonsense that he learned from Joe Madden or whatever. And it came back to backfire because what happened? Dodgers came back to win game six. Therefore, they won the World Series. There was no game seven. Oh, yeah. And by the way, what, what about the news we just heard two days ago? Blake Snell now left the Tampa Bay Rays and is going to be a member of the Padres. Because, and we talked about it then. We knew th- this guy was so sick of what happened. He was upset. I don't blame him being upset. I mean, how many guys are rolling in a World Series and he is your ace and you pull him? Come on, Kevin Cash. We hear about it in sports all the time about people losing by the hook. But we don't usually <laughs> think of it in baseball. But we did because of him there. From a baseball perspective and from a 
a sports psychology way, right. what he did was worse because he lost in the game. But Justin Turner could have literally potentially killed people. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. All right. And, uh, my final nominee would probably be Lou Williams, the guy that uh, we talked about quite a bit because he left the NBA bubble in Florida to go to a funeral. At least that's what he said. And then we found out, well, where'd he go after the funeral? He went to Magic City. Yes, the famous strip club in Atlanta. Here we go. I think an earthquake every time we, we, we play this and talk about this. As he says, here comes Cinnamon. Well, actually, they interviewed one of the dancers there. Her name was Aries. And you know what Aries said? She recanted the whole situation, said, yeah, he came in. He liked those lemon pepper chicken wings and also said that he was a pretty good tipper as well. But, yes, we had to go. He said he had to go to Magic City because, after all, Frank, we go to the strip club for that menu. Well, actually, the food menu is what Lou Williams is claiming. But, uh, yeah, Aerie said that uh, he tipped rather well. But, again, he escapes the bubble. He leaves his team. Not only is he does he leave his team, but then he's out partying. Oh, and by the way, without a mask, no one is social distancing. It's a strip club. And I, I heard from a reporter who actually went and did a follow-up story on this about a week later. He was just blown away. He goes, you couldn't tell if it was pandemic or not pandemic. It could have been six months earlier. That's what that scene looked like at Magic City. Well, I mean, I guess at least he went to Magic City instead of Magic Mike's. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that might have been a little bit worse on him if he would have done that. Could be the same, though, right? It could be the yeah. same. I really don't know. I haven't been either one of them. <laughs> but, yeah, you certainly have to question uh, exactly what he was doing or what he was thinking, or in this case, not thinking out there. But, um, you know, uh, if he's a good tipper, you know, I, I guess maybe that's all that counts to the, to the uh, employees of Magic City. There you go. <laughs> Well, you know, you're talking about people leaving bubbles and doing stuff like that and getting in trouble. Do you remember World Team Tennis? You know, I'm a big tennis guy. Yes. Remember, World Team Tennis was one of the first people that had a successful bubble this year. They played the matches. They went to a place in, I believe it was South Carolina, played all their matches there. But kind of under the radar to a lot of people out there, one of those players also got kicked out of that league. That was Daniel Collins. I don't know if you remember or not, but she left the bubble of World Team Tennis. Because she wanted to get some painkillers, and she wanted to get some medicine for, I believe it was, her dog. And so she crossed state lines and said, I wasn't aware that we couldn't leave the bubble. They had three seminars about it. They had written reports about it, and every single person signed waivers saying they couldn't leave. But somehow, she doesn't remember ever being informed about that. She left the bubble and got kicked out of the league for that tournament, and it actually cost her team. I believe she played for Florida, and um, she was one of their top players. It hurt their chance a little bit. Not sure they would have won with her, but, yeah, um, you know, leave the bubble, you get in trouble. Absolutely. And we saw uh, the Sacramento Kings player, remember? He left to get some takeout food. Lou Williams left completely to go to a funeral slash go to a strip club. And there were, Wasn't there were there other a guys. Wasn't there a that snuck a, a girl into the yes, bubble? Yes, yes, exactly. We had that. They uh, snuck into the hotel. And well, what are you talking about? It's COVID. It can't go anywhere. So I got to bring her in with me right here. That was the it, NBA, right? That was the, another NBA guy. Exactly. Backdoor's a very popular play in yeah. the NBA. Yeah, that was... Um, yeah, and then we had your guy Tommy Pham too, right? Well, yeah, the, yeah. the baseball player right. down there in San Diego right. uh, getting stabbed outside the strip club uh, <laughs> because there was an altercation out there. He after was, the World Series. After the World he Series, was playing with waiting Tampa. for his car, and he got tired of waiting, so he asked these people to leave, and the people were having their own argument, and 
They didn't want a third party there, and there was actually pictures on TMZ and that kind of stuff. A lot of blood. Yeah. He actually got stabbed, uh, you know. He, he he got stuck pretty badly, it looked like, but uh, he seems to be okay. Mm-hmm. But first off, what are you doing in a strip club in this mm-hmm. day and age? And if guys are already over there in a big argument, I know you're a professional athlete, mm-hmm. but why are you getting involved? Get the yeah. bouncers or somebody to yeah. clear them out. And especially that was in California and San Diego. And going back to that Lou Williams story, that was in Fulton County in Atlanta where they had the highest – uh, cases, the most number of cases, I, I believe down south period, they had like 368 deaths, something around that number, in Fulton County alone, and had something over like 2,900 you know, positive cases. So again, people not thinking, it's the me first mentality. And this brings back, back to Dwayne Haskins, who lost his job with the Redskins, lost his captaincy because, what did he do? Went to a strip club. Yeah, well, yeah. you so, know. A lot, a lot of nominees here for... Uh, you know, worst role models uh, of the year. At least for Haskins, he can complete a pass out of the strip club there. So. <laughs> you know, um, well, that went to the girl girlfriend's <laughs> birthday party too. He claims, right? Yeah. How's that working out now? So, um, two brothers who I thought were terrible the entire year, and they've got mm-hmm. even more popularity ever since the knockout of Nate Robinson. Logan and Jake Paul, these knuckleheads, I will say this, apparently they have a lot of YouTube followers, and that's how they rate everything. Jake Paul has called out everybody from Mayweather to McGregor to Pacquiao, and now somebody's throwing out a name for him. Because remember, he's guaranteed $50 million if these guys, one of these jabronis or whatever wants to fight him. So recently it was posed to him, well, how about Amanda Nunez, the lioness? She's bad. He says, oh, no, there's no advantage for me to fight her. Um, nobody knows who she is. I don't believe that. And then he does what he always does. Well, she's only got 1.4 million followers or this or that. Or Everything with him is followers. The reason that he doesn't like Dustin Poirier fighting with, with McGregor coming up. Well, my dog has more followers than Poirier does. Yeah, followers, that's big. Which yeah. actually he's got, I think it's a little bit less. I think his dog has 1.6 and Poirier's got 1.7. <laughs> but still, it is close there. But again, that's always his go-to thing. I don't want to see any of these fights because they're a joke. But I kind of would like to see him against the Lioness. <laughs> that, that's what I was going to say. I think yeah. she would destroy him and maybe finally shut them the hell up. But, you know, that would never, ever happen because, again, being a combative sport, you know, it would never get sanctioned by an athletic commission. So it could never take place. Go to a different country. But, but, Somebody else will do it. Somebody think? out there would sanction it. When have you ever seen male versus female combative sport? There was actually a boxing match years ago with, I believe it was a jockey, a a guy who was a (laughs) former jockey against a woman in a boxing match, like up in the state of Washington, where their athletic commission doesn't nearly have the same guidelines and guidelines and that. Morals. And I I remember once down in Utah, there was a guy that couldn't pass physicals in like six different states, including Nevada, and he got a boxing thing. So there would be a place. I don't know where it would be. But they will Uganda or something. Somebody would let this take place. Come on, Dana, Fight Island. Come on, there's no one on Fight Island. There's no real commission there. Let's yeah, go. That might I, be the one that Dana would. You. Okay, I would. I would it, love to see it too. I'm with I you. I would love to see right. the lioness take him on. All right. <laughs> so, Tiger Woods made history in the final round of the Masters. You guys might remember this, but he made history for all the wrong reasons. He had a ten. On the par three 
12th hole. It's 155 yards. It's a par three. We're talking about one of the greatest golfers of all time in the final round of this Masters. He shoots a 10. So he has the tee shot, goes in the water, penalty drop. Next one, hits it into the water again, penalty drop. Hits it over the green into the bunker. From the bunker, he goes back into the water, penalty drop. Then he goes out of the bunker, gets it on the fringe of the green, putts once, tap in, that's your 10. Was Cheech Marin his caddy? There, there you go, exactly. Now, I had this all planned today, Now, <laughs> and none of the women said, but I had 10 cup all ready to go. I said, play this part. All queued up, ready to go, where he got the 12 in the classic movie, A Tin Cup. And what happened, Numchuck? It disappeared. He was mixing or doing something, and he got Coach K in the soundbite. So I said, well, we can't use Coach K in the soundbite. And how do you get Coach K into Tin Cup and Kevin Costner and Jim Nance? Because that's one of the classic calls. Well, you know, the good thing is that, um, you know, Numchuck is back. Yeah. The bad thing is that the negative also apparently went in the producing of that little sound clip there. So, <laughs> so you know, I that, spent a lot of time this morning and putting this together and giving him the time cues. And what's he come back with? Uh, I, I kind of screwed up. But, you know, you mentioned Tiger Woods and getting the 10 there. Are you that I, surprised? I don't know what I'm feeling, right? This is the most painful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know what's crazy, Jimmy? If he doesn't finish the hole with this ball... He can't turn in a card. He's disqualified. Oh, my God. Oh, dear Lord, please. Oh, dear Lord. Here comes the shot. There's the shot. And this shot, it hung up there forever and ever and ever. Kind of like Fitzpatrick's past. Yeah, exactly. It's like the movie The Natural with Robert Redford, too. Took forever. Oh, here we go. It's at the top. It's in the hole. I think. There's Cheech. Unbelievable. Jesus Christ, did you see this? What was that? <laughs> that was a 12. That was a 12. He was on the green in all in 12. There it is. Reminding me of that. Exactly. Tiger Woods 10, 10 Cups 12. But I think 10 Cups 12 is a little bit more exciting. Well, it also wasn't on a par three. That's true. So, you know, that's what made it more difficult. But are you really surprised at Tiger Woods? Hmm. It's not the first time he screwed up a 10. Did you see his wife? Ooh, there you go. <laughs> All right, man, you got one more to take us out on or what? Um... Or you yes, want to say, or you want to save one for later. Well, you know what? We were gonna do a thing with all the the people that have passed away, so we'll save that for a little bit later Absolutely. because that list is a little bit longer than that. So, hmm. so let's do that. But um, if I was gonna go out on just one more thing, and this one is more of a serious one, um, but it's also got a happy ending to it at least. Well, we like Louis, happy endings, you know. I Saint, mean, we were talking about strip clubs. St. Louis Blues earlier this year when the Blues were playing the Anaheim Ducks, and remember when. Jake Bomeister went down and collapsed on the yes, ice, yes. but then the paramedics and that saved him. Mm-hmm. So f- that was truly, truly a terrible thing. But uh, Bomeister now seems to be all right again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his hockey career is certainly not going to be what it was and things like that. But, uh, you know, it was terrible. But uh, kudos to that kind of stuff. And sometimes, you know, just a preview of what we were going to see with first responders and those type of people all year long throughout the season. So figured, although it was a terrible thing, maybe ended on a little happy note, because I think everybody's looking for a little bit of good news here to wrap up this 
Very, very different year. Very sad year, no doubt about it. All right, you got some terrible Tuesday thoughts and takes. You can hit us on Twitter at TCMartin21, at VGKFrank as well, too. And uh, again, we will talk about a little bit later on in the program, too, a little tribute to the uh, incredible amount of deaths, especially in the sports side. And uh, so we'll dedicate the last 10, 15 minutes of the show and, and talk about that as well here as we come to the end of, of a very sad 2020, like you said. When we come back, though, Charles Mann is going to join us, the former Washington Redskin. we got plenty of Washington stuff to talk about with a three-time Super Bowl champ. Don't you dare go anywhere. It is a terrible Tuesday. T.C. Martin and Ballpark Frank. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. All right, what is going on in Washington? This team is on the verge of getting in the playoffs, but then again, a lot of controversy there on the field, off the field, and uh, love talking to our former Washington Redskin, the three-time Super Bowl champion back in the day, four-time Pro Bowler. He is one of the 70 greatest Washington Redskins of all time on the ring of honor there at the stadium and uh, just, uh, just a great guy in general. And, of course, he's Sacramento Sports Hall of Famer. i got to get that in there with my man, Charles Mann. What is going on? Charles Mann, the myth, the legend. Hopefully I did that right. <laughs> I need to take you around with me and have you introduce me everywhere I go, man. That's it. Great. For, for a nominal fee, it, it'll be well worth it. No problem. It'll get, <laughs> just remember to give your writer the credit for that line. That's right. Yeah, my man, Ballpark Frank, gave, yeah, he, he, he wrote that last part. So there you go. What's up, brother? How you doing? A legend. I like it. Yeah. A legend in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You got a lot of bling there. That yeah, did. yeah. You, you, you uh, got when, when you get all those rings, do you get them all sized the same for one finger, or you get them sized for different fingers so you can wear them all at once? For different different <laughs> fingers. There you go. Got to have them for different fingers, man. Come on now. There you go. <laughs> well, we we yeah. wouldn't know about that in this studio. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you about it. <laughs> all right, Charles. Oh, gosh. It's nice to be able to laugh after uh, what you've been watching here in Washington. It's crazy. Man. Well, let's first start talking about the release of quarterback Dwayne Haskins uh, following yeah. his benching Sunday and then being stripped of his captaincy for violating COVID protocol when I guess he was you know photographed last week without a mask at his girlfriend's birthday party from what we're hearing. Uh, give me your reaction to the move and how quickly – Things have have changed there as far as the quarterback position there in Washington. Well, well, first of all, uh, you know he got eight games uh, to start the season, and we went two and six, and it just wasn't looking good. He, last year, he played a couple of games uh, when Alex uh, Smith got injured. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, even before that, he played, and he just didn't look good he didn't his feet didn't look well uh he looked rattled he couldn't read defenses and so this whole offseason it was a different offseason because of covid but he was working out you saw him on social media on videos working out training doing all the right things and i you know then I, i i like a lot of us said hey this kid is doing the right thing I, I'm happy to see him next year. I hope he can settle his feet. Uh, and then he got in there, and he still was having trouble reading defenses, um, throwing too many turnovers, interceptions, and whatnot, and just never looked settled. 
So he, he gets put on the bench. Alex Smith comes in there. What a great story. Come back after almost dying, almost losing his leg, you know, multiple surgeries. And, you know, and all of a sudden we win four in a row. And lo and behold, after starting two and six, we're, we've got a chance to lead the division. I mean, that's just crazy. And now, you know, as of this past Sunday, we had a chance of securing a spot in the playoffs, and we couldn't get it done against Carolina. You know, Ron Rivera never seemed too comfortable with Haskins as his quarterback, and we've heard that this was a Daniel Snyder decision going back to last year's draft. How much of that is true, Charles, and why didn't this work out? And you probably already answered why it didn't work out, but I want to go back to to the drafting of that. And when Rivera came in, it's just my guess here that he wasn't sold on Haskins from the the time he got there. Well, you know, when you you become a new head coach, especially after you've been in there and you've been a coach for a while, you realize that you're going to go down or you're going to be successful with the guys you bring in. So normally coaches come in and fire all the staff and they bring in their own people. That way, if win or lose, they can say, okay, I gave it a good shot. These were my people. Well, you also do that with the players. And uh, there were several players are already here, especially the quarterback. And so he didn't bring his own people. Actually, he did bring his own quarterback, but not as a starter because, you know, you paid all this money for Dwayne Haskins, a first-round draft pick the year before. Uh, Rivera was kind of stuck with him. So he looked at tape quickly and saw, okay, this kid can't play, but, you know, we're, they're spending all this money on him. They have to give him a, sh- a chance. And so he went way too long giving him eight games at the start of the season, and he went way too long uh, on Sunday when he let him go well into the third quarter and starting the fourth quarter. No, I agree. I was watching that game and thinking, okay, they they got to beat Carolina. You're at home, and Carolina, nothing to play for. Even though they, they play hard, and you had Teddy Bridgewater. But, yeah, it, I was saying, why would he even start the second half? I mean, you got to pull him, and then it goes from you know one extreme to the other. Not only you pull him, but then you end up you know releasing him uh, right after that. But that the, um, situation you just described about you know hanging on to a guy and feeling that you're forced to play him because of the contract – doesn't that sound very, very familiar to your opponent this week, the Philadelphia Eagles with Carson Wentz? Sounds like the exact same thing. Yeah, you know, and, and, and remember, Philadelphia just won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So to see them look as bad as they do, to see and they have the same coaching staff, a lot of the same players, of course you're going to lose players to injury and you're going to lose players to wanting to go and get those major contracts now that they've won a Super Bowl. But typically, you don't see a Super Bowl team three or four years later is down as the Philadelphia Eagles have been this year. And and they're right in the right position for the Washington football team to play them. Unfortunately, we still don't know who's going to be our starting quarterback this weekend. And, And if it is Alex Smith, Alex Smith isn't going to score a whole bunch of points. He never does that. He dinks and dunks the ball down the field. He doesn't really go, uh, you know, throw the ball down the field that much anymore. That's the M.O. on him. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for Heineke. Mm-hmm. Heineke looked pretty good, actually. He did. When it comes, he, you know. Now, let me just say this. Let me just give you a little scenario. So you, so you, you eat a, uh, you eat a pregame meal. You know, that morning you eat a pregame meal. Normally have steak and eggs and you know bacon and, and I mean you know orange juice, all the coffee you want to drink as a as a backup. You 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 eat well. As a starter, you don't eat that much. You eat sparingly, but you do eat. You need some energy. Um, so last week he ate well. He wasn't. Re- he was relaxed. He, you know, um, probably had a toothpick on the sideline, <laughs> cleaning his teeth, relaxing. This week he won't eat anything. He might throw up before the game, and he's going to be nervous. And we will see a little bit different guy playing this weekend if he's the starter and knowing he's going to be the starter going into the game. So he won't look as comfortable he, you know he got caught off guard he just off the next thing yeah. you know he was in the game and he was playing before he got panicked so he will have a little nerves uh, going and i don't expect him to start fast if he starts more importantly i love the insight to the pre-game uh locker room there of the of the buffet <laughs> there in washington thank you charles mann <laughs> when it of comes, course. when it comes to Haskins, how do you think this thing plays out? Does he go someplace else? Does somebody else sign him? And what goes with this contract in Washington? Because I'm looking at a story right now, and Pro Football Talk says that they actually have uh, got a copy of his contract somehow on a file. Wow! And, and in that contract, it says players shall be deemed in default of the contract if player takes any action that club determines in its reasonable discretion undermines the public's respect for players, teammates, club ownership, coaches, etc., including management. It also goes on to say that in the event that uh, the player's contract is is terminated, that all guarantees shall be deemed null and void. There's $10 million up for grabs from this. Do they just let this go away, or is uh, we going to get some lawyers involved in this situation? Well, first of all, there's no way uh, that you talk about a one-sided contract. Gosh, Lee, I hope that's not the contract he signed. But uh, but they got D. Smith as the NFL Players Association, uh, who is uh, executive director, who is a lawyer. He's got he's lawyered up in the NFLPA. They've probably got 15 lawyers on on the team there. There's no way. Uh, Haskins isn't going to walk away. I think he's guaranteed fourteen million. Fourteen point four. Fourteen million. Wow. Yeah, he will get that money, <laughs> but I don't think he'll play again. You remember Demarcus Russell? Yes, of course. Remember that name? LSU Raiders, remember? of course. Yeah. 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 Well, I see this guy. I see. Unfortunately, I see Dwayne Haskins going down just like that. You know, where is Demarcus Russell? <laughs> Whatever happened to his career? Where did he end up? I mean. You know, I could see Haskins if, if on a good thing, on a on a good note, he ends up as a backup quarterback somewhere, and he, you know, he sits in the league for ten or twelve years, maybe playing five or six games, you know, where he came in and relieved somebody for a half a quarter or two, but. I don't see him being a starter anywhere, no, ever. Th- that is a great comparison, Charles, because neither one of those guys seemed like they got it on the field. I mean, athletically, yeah. they both had it in yeah. college, but they their games yeah. did not transfer well to the NFL. 
the decision making was poor. Yeah, that's that's yep. that's great. Yep. And, and if you got to go down fourteen four. 14.4 million is not a bad way to go down. Oh, and with so many of these I'm contracts. I'm waiting for my 14.4. Yeah, and most of these contracts aren't guaranteed. I'm so, 4. I'm so 4. shocked. 4.4, give me that. I, I remember so seeing Ryan Leaf show up in a place out here years ago and people yeah. were kind of mocking him, and he literally just went up and gave the rub and his fingers together, the money sign going, mm-hmm. hey, the paycheck cleared, people. Yeah. Deal with it. Get on with your life. <laughs> yeah, well, I saw a, a 30 for 30 or something on yeah, him. Yep. What, what a fantastic story. It's sad. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it, let me say this. People think that it – well, I don't know what people think, but I, I would imagine there's some people that think it's pretty easy to play football. And, you know, hey, we played in high school or some of us played in college or whatever – it is it is every step from peewee to cop to high school from high school to college and then from college to the pros there is a big step and that's why it's really impressive to see what chase young is doing in his first year um you know i think uh he may have a couple of guys uh looking down on him a little bit because he's you know he's he's a, fa- a fan favorite he's a local boy uh, and uh, but Montez Sweat has eight sacks and uh, two forced fumbles and one interception, and uh, you know you're everybody just talking about uh, Chase who has six and a half sacks and forty tackles, four forced fumbles, uh, you know, and one touchdown. So, I mean, Montez Sweat and Chase Young together combined in a fourteen and a half sacks. They're they're reminding a lot of people of Dexter Manley and I back right. in our day. Um, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch our defense finally be okay. You know, I'm not calling them great yet because one season doesn't define a, a career. Uh, but it's nice to see them going in the right direction. And all we need to fix is a little bit of offense. We need to be able to score, and we need points on the board. And right now we just don't score a lot of points. He is Charles Mann, three-time Super Bowl champion, four-time Pro Bowler, talking about the Washington Football Club, which transitions into this, Charles, that name. I still can't get used to it. I know we've had the conversation <laughs> before. We talked about this. Yeah. We had you on when you know they dropped the Redskins and all that stuff, and you had some great insight and take on that. Uh, hearing that now that there may not be a nickname that some executives like the soccer format of, of football club or football team and all the fans of Arsenal and Man City. Yeah, exactly. So tell me, Charles, you're there. What you, you, you're, you, you go to Redskin Park. What's the deal? What's happening here? I'm hearing the same thing you guys are hearing. Um, People are getting comfortable with this. It, you know, most, if you'd ask most of the players and anybody that's played for the Washington Redskins, they're all everybody has their take on it uh you heard mine before that hey if it's offensive to somebody it's offensive to everybody and you know i think it you know uh who am i to say that it's not offensive when you know somebody says it is offensive so i get all that and i agree with that but i certainly thought that they were going to transition into some other name but now people have kind of gotten comfortable Hey, let me just say this. I think uh, from a Dan Snyder perspective, look, he hired a, a president uh, and, and then to take some of the heat off of him 
where he could be in the background, but he's dealing right now with a suit that he settled in 2009 where he paid some woman $1.6 million who rode on his private plane back from Vegas. Uh, and there's all kinds of improprieties. The league is looking into the team about, you know, how the men treated the women in leadership in the, in the organization. So, so there's a lot going on here. So one of the things you don't want to add to it is any more controversy. So I think the Washington football team just, just holds the thing. It, it, it clears up an issue that you don't have to worry about right now. You can still talk about everything else and, and leave that alone. It's just piling on at that point. So I think that maybe a year or two down the road, they might consider doing something else. And I think if I was the owner of the team, here's a chance to sell a lot more jerseys and paraphernalia if I change the name. So um, yeah, that's what I'd be looking at, the dollars and cents, I guess. Not sure if there's any truth to it or not, but there's rumors going out there that one of the sticking points in changing the name is that some people have bought some trademark names in that so that Dan Snyder would have to pay them for that, and he's not very keen on that. Do you think there's any truth to that? And if it did come down between Washington football team or club, do you have a preference? Because if you're going to be club, maybe you want an offense that doesn't score much if you're giving a, you know, homage to soccer. okay you spent way too much time thinking about that exactly (laughs) no it actually just pops in my Um, mind (laughs) (laughs) no i i um i like washington football team um and i don't i don't like club uh, right for that very reason soccer club but i I like washington football team uh but I, I still think there's still a chance, uh, a long shot, but there's still a chance if Snyder, now I'm giving you something here, uh, you know, could be something. If Snyder loses this team, like uh, Carolina Panthers uh, owner uh, Richardson right. lost the team mm-hmm. for a less, less, uh, you know, a, a less incident. Correct. I mean, it was, it wasn't. Yep. I think a lesser incident yep. than than what's being portrayed here. Then whoever owns the team, that would be one of the first things I do. I'd come in and change the name, and sell a bunch of jerseys and paraphernalia and whatnot. So you know, he's got so so that could be one of the things that happens. I think they're going to just hold the name right where it is right now and just see if the smoke clears and Dan Snyder gets out of this. And if he doesn't, uh, then the new owner will have that to look at. And if he does, then he may consider changing the name so or what, may not. What about the fans there? Is it one of these situations, Charles, where the fans have now become comfortable with this? Well, we really didn't like it at all because, again, you know, it was kind of an anomaly. It was supposed to be just a, a part-time thing until we came up with a name. You, you talked about Red Tails before and other things of that nature. And, again, it's just so far off the beaten path from what everyone else is, is, is doing in the NFL. I've never had anything like this happen and again just the w on there i mean it's just it's like okay it's like covid okay let's get through this season (laughs) seriously let's get on with the nickname find a good nickname (laughs) why is that so such a big problem here or have the fans really just have they said well okay we're comfortable or do they actually like it 
Or should we call like Frank is over here? Should we call him the Washington Mile they're... High Club? That, that's what we should do. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think. I don't think anybody really likes it. What I think people it's have horrible. done is just. I think they've just gotten over it because there's so many other things to worry about, to be concerned about on this team. I think they've just gotten over it. So I don't think anybody's come to fall in love with it at all. Mile High Club would be a high flying with a lot of scoring. <laughs> uh, he, he's appearing nightly, ladies and gentlemen, right here. There he goes. This just is, this is day job. That's it. All right. Let, let's talk about this team. They're six and nine. They're tied with Dallas. They win and they're in. Believe it or not, in the playoffs. Alex Smith is hurt. Uh, Rivera said he was going to go with Tyler Heineken, Heineke. I like calling him Heineken, Heineke, whatever. What what do you make of this week's game against Philadelphia? They got nothing to play for, but Jalen Hurts, again, you know, trying to win the long-term job here over Carson Wentz. First of all, give us the insight here. Does Smith start, and what's going to happen in this game? Well, if if Smith has Alex Smith has any inkling of that calf muscle still bothering him, he will not play. Uh, for sure, they are. Look, the man survived death and uh, amputation and everything. They are going to make sure he's a hundred percent before he gets out there. So that's number one. Number two, uh, uh, Tyler Heineke has shown that he's up for the task. Uh, now, he needs to be careful about that pregame meal. You got that right. That, yeah. he's, he's shown <laughs> that he's up for the task. So, so I think they're they're more comfortable than they were if 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 nothing happened with Dwayne Haskins if he didn't go to the strip club last week and he was still on the team and he played okay, didn't win but he played okay. Then I think a lot of people would be concerned because you got him and you got you know the uncertainty of his play. I think people are going to be okay with this, but I know this, Ron Rivera is going to do whatever it takes to win. So it's going to be interesting to see, and I haven't seen what move they made. Did they bring another uh, quarterback in here? I'm trying to remember. I don't Have think I seen anything this week? I, I have not that. seen it. Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah, so so they're going to do whatever it takes because if he can, if he can show – that he took his first season with the Reds, uh, with the Washington football team, excuse me. There you go, he took just the like first me. Season. <laughs> yeah, I know. If he's done the first season and he got to the playoffs, he will be able to tout that. That's going to look good on his contract, you know, if he's trying to extend his contract. Remember, he was just fired last year at the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, it's funny how the coaches can get fired from one place, get hired another place, and everybody's all excited and positive and everything. And yet the guy was just let go and and was was ready. People were ready to see him leave out of that town. Now he's in another town, and they they love him. Right. So so it's important for his legacy for them to win. So he's going to do whatever it takes to win this football game. All right, and that's that's a good thing. 
Breaking news, and let's go to our on-the-spot reporter of food and beverage, Charles Mann. Charles Mann, can you tell us what Ryan Fitzpatrick had in his pregame meal last week? It was here in Vegas. Uh, I was I was there up in the press box. I wasn't down in the locker room, but maybe you have inside information. Fitzmagic shined again. What did he have for that, that meal? Was it a big meal? Was it the steak and eggs? Or what, what was it, Charles Mann? It was a night game. So maybe it was a heavy lunch. Was it a, a triple burger? What can you tell us? What are these quarter what he did is he he had an extra workout on his neck so his <laughs> neck muscles were extra strengthened for when he got his head ripped off he was able to keep his head and make that pass down the field there it is <laughs> i'm waiting the for guy this. is a is a he's a winner <laughs> he is a winner no matter yeah. what you do what you say about that guy no matter how many times you count him out he is a winner yeah, I'm not sure what he had for the pregame meal, but I know he had the Raiders defense for dessert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. All right, my man. We, we appreciate you as always. And you can catch him with his, he mentioned his uh, cohort, his tag team partner back in the day, Dexter Manley, Manly and Man podcast, the Manly and Man show. That's right. The podcast. Maybe you can come up with the, the, the man, the myth, the legend, and Dexter. How's that? Let's change it up. Hey, one more breaking news. Breaking news. Dexter Manley and the the Manly Man Show is no more. We just, we just, that's fine. Dexter Dexter let me go. Uh, I went with John Riggins on John Riggins' show. And uh, Derek McGinty, my partner, and I are doing the second take podcast. The second take so we are looking to do not just sports, but anybody that is in their second career or doing something that's noteworthy uh, in the in the uh, United States or abroad, uh, doing something fabulous. And so we're we're looking at a bunch of different. I'm lining up guests right now. So people who are in their second take, their second career. Maybe we start with Magic Johnson because. A lot of people forget that he right. played basketball with the Lakers. Uh, all know him as as a as a, a millionaire and a L.A. Dodger owner and and soccer owner and and uh, you know all the other stuff he owns. I think this is the first time that we've had uh, our guest uh, wanting to hit the breaking news and do the breaking news about his own firing. That's a first here, Charles Man. That's amazing. <laughs> I was let go. <laughs> he was cut. Dexter cut me loose so fast. I, I just want to see the picture with Dexter Manley and Riggins both in Mohawks. Manley's got to look a little bit weird with that. So yeah, yeah. All right, well, my this man. This is a new and this is a new and improved John Riggins. So he's not, not as crazy as he was before. Guys, thank you for so much for having me on. Appreciate it. And we're going to call me back anytime you need me, buddy. You know I will. Hey, if you guys do, you well get to the playoffs. We're going to have you back on. There, no doubt. There we go. Thanks. And, and, there we go. Just remember when you write that book it's charles man the myth the legend there it is the man the myth the legend it's it's actually called one man's view and uh, i am working on it right now excellent my friend great stuff all right we'll talk to you later brother all right take care there Bye-bye. it is that is charles man the three-time super bowl champion with the skins the niners back in the day four-time pro bowler always fun visiting with him we come back the quarterback steve burline joins us we talk nfl college football and more